This podcast is part of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed may not reflect those of other podcasts or affiliates of this show or Gunna Geek. Check out other geeky podcasts at GunnaGeek.com. And get ready because geekiness commences in three, two, one. If you want to take us a pretty cake, you can make it crazy. Gotta do the cooking mother book. You know you can't be lazy. I don't even know what song that is. It's a good song, so shut up. I don't up. think it is a good song, actually. It is a good Not song. Not the way you sang it. Well, maybe I shouldn't sing it then. Did I... Hang on one second. What am I hanging on to? <laughs> you fucking Are you finally recording? No, I'm not. Getting, how does it take this long to get you set up? I've got like three things I have to open. Two, actually. I open Google, I open Audacity. We're good to go. Google Audacity? Hey, do you remember that time we were gonna be on time for something and then we weren't because... I think mostly because you don't know how to use things. Is that is that what it is? Is that what it is? Yeah. I don't know how to use things. Right. Okay. Well, hey, we're broadcasting live now, so that's a thing that happened. Right on time. Or, In fact, we're early. We are. We are negative 16 minutes early, and we are. We, we, listener, is, is Unqualified Gamers. Cody and... John. It's your name. Yep, that's me. Why don't you intro? Why don't you do the rest of the intro? I don't remember how to do it. Yeah, you you are so bad at this. So we are two uh, people that play video games for fun. No professional background in them at all, and we just really like to talk about them. About all, kind of all sorts of things, video games. So every week we get together and uh, we talk about video games. We talk about life. It's a slice of life podcast. You know what else we both do pretty much the whole time? Hate you. Swivel our chairs back and forth. Well, it's comfortable. I mean, why wouldn't I? I? I'm literally swinging in sync to your video. I have a chair that swivels. Why would I not swivel? Well, I'm going to continue to swivel because I don't know how to do anything else. Great. And I am going to listen the welcomer to... Listen the welcomer. Yeah. I said that backwards. That's... Did you catch that? Yeah, no, that's pretty good. I thank you. I'm going to welcome the listener slash viewer to Unqualified Gamers episode 68 because oh we're one away because from seven eight the... nine. <laughs> That's where I was going. I know. Go. I was completing the joke. It was Easter weekend, and uh, I want to know what you did. Uh, had to work for most of the weekend except for Easter, which I had off. Have you ever had an interesting story in the history of this podcast about your personal life? Just ever. I believe I told the story of having a baby, which was pretty interesting. Don't don't remember that. Yeah, no, it happened. It was pretty good, don't, actually. Don't remember that or the story. In the episode titled Papa John, actually. It was pretty good. Did I call it that? Yeah, you might have. So, But 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 we can't get sued because you're J-O-N, the, not J-O-N. Oh, yeah, no. And I'm a papa. So it, there's, I mean, any... You can't copyright science. Yeah, anybody would call me that. Um, so it was, you know, we did uh, we did church in the morning, and it was... It was church with just the wife and the boy, and he slept the whole time. And it was actually the first time we had brought him to church, so that was pretty awesome. Um, and then after that, we went over to Casey's mom's house, 
who cooked for 28 people. It was insanely busy. Uh, but I ate a tremendous amount of food, which is something you do on Easter. Actually, that's something you do any holiday, right? I mean, that's just something you do when you get together with family. So we ate a ridiculous amount of food uh, of, of various types. Um, and then I went home and pretty much fell right asleep because that's what happens also after you eat too much food, probably drink too much wine. So that was my Easter. I mean, it was like your standard familial fair of an Easter. It was great, actually. It was awesome. But well, it was probably not the most interesting thing ever. But it was really good. Yeah, I was going to say, congratulations on a good day, but an atrocious story that I will never get the two or so minutes it took you to tell back. Right, and that's why I didn't drag it out. There were a lot of great dishes that we ate. So the first one that I could... Okay, so I, this weekend... I didn't even ask you what you did. Frankly, I don't care anymore. First of all, my name's not Frankly, and second of all, I always have a second of all. Checkmate. I win that conversation. Like like you said, you can't argue with science. Can't argue with me either. I could. The philosopher. Right. What? Hey, listen. Oh... That was my Navi the Fairy impression. Did you like it? Was it was pretty good. You know what I did? Why don't you ask me? Hey, it was Easter this weekend. What did you do for Easter? I did not celebrate Easter. That's okay. You... No, I wanted to. Oh, well, but if you wanted to, then why didn't you? Here's what happened. So my friend, as I mentioned last week, asked me, my friends asked me to officiate their wedding on Saturday, which is a really big deal. That is a big deal. My parents, my parents knew this, so obviously the day before Easter, I'm here officiating a wedding. My parents wanted to spend Easter with my grandparents in Philadelphia because they're getting older and my you know, my dad doesn't get to see them that often, so they were going to go out there and celebrate Easter. And I was like, well, I mean, I've got this thing to do, so I can't really go out there. And then I was asked to reprise my role in the hit Chicago-based sketch comedy Marijuana Rama, mm. which is which is put on stage every year on April twentieth, four twenty. Get it? Four twenty. That's cute. Right. So Easter was on four twenty this year. They asked me to do it, and at first I was like, "Well, no, I want to celebrate Easter." But then I was like, "Well, I'm not really going to be with my family, so I guess I'll do that." So my whole weekend, I didn't see any family, and I just performed a lot. It was. Uh, I was sad that I didn't make it to an Easter service, but there weren't any early or late enough for me to get to because I was all over the place. So that yeah. was kind of sad. I mean, after you know, you probably could have made that like seven a.m. service that all the all the churches have, but like the night or the morning after a wedding that you officiated, I'd imagine you were probably pretty exhausted. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not gonna lie. I mean, all day the the service wasn't until six thirty. And actually, it started a bit late at seven, but all day, I was sitting around <laughs> rewriting well, of course the you ceremony, were. making it perfect because it was a big deal. So this is the I ninth was... time you've officiated a wedding. Yeah, what... minus eight. Yeah. So, uh, what was it like? Was it good? Did you have fun? Or was it was I it had... was it like too much? Was it too was it was it the, like the most nerve wracking thing ever? It was really nerve wracking. I mean, it's like in terms of the functional aspects of an actual ceremony, I was literally the most important person in terms of, like, responsibility. Yeah, I mean, there's nobody more important at a wedding than the officiator. 
in terms of responsibility, I mean, all you had to do at your wedding is just repeat after me, and you say a couple things, and you repeat what he says, and then you're done. Yeah, and to, like, be, unless and, you... and to be fair, because of the magnitude of that day, I don't remember, like, anything. Right, of course. Uh, but, yeah, when the bride and groom just have to repeat after the minister, and, like, yeah, if they... If they wrote their own vows or whatever, they have to do that. And and there's a lot of other things they're organizing and planning at the same time. Right. But from the moment that processional starts to the to you know the moment where you say, "I now present to you, Mister and Mrs. Insert last name here," like that's all me. It's like I gotta have the script down. I gotta like move things along. I gotta keep it together because, of course, the the bride and groom are of course sobbing by the time they get up there and start holding hands and stuff. So they like didn't have it together, and I I was warned the the groom's entire family was gonna fall apart. So I couldn't really look at anybody because if I'm surrounded by a hundred people that are crying, then it's like, well, I I don't know how I'm gonna do this. And so how long how long did the prep take? Do you think? I started writing the ceremony weeks ago. I was hoping you were going to say like 20 minutes before. 20 minutes before. About 10 minutes. Yeah. That sounds about right. And like it was like a cocktail napkin you were writing it down on. Yeah. 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 I met with the bride and groom the Sunday before. We we tweaked it for three or four hours. It was very intense. Very. uh, But I put a lot of pressure on myself because I'm a bit of a perfectionist, except when it comes to this podcast, in which case I, I literally don't care. I don't even know how to work Google, and I don't care. Yeah, that's actually all true. But these flowers are from the wedding, so that's why they're prominently displayed, because I felt like being a little festive in this video. It is springtime. It is springtime. So um, I imagine that with uh, with all the excitement of the weekend, you probably you probably didn't play a ton of video games. Is that right? I did not touch video games. I didn't even bring Pokemon to the suburbs. Uh, it was, yeah, really intense. A lot of planning and activity and then of course the rehearsal is Friday and then my show is Sunday so Marijuana Rama is uh, the format is they send everyone in the cast a script a month ahead of time the day of the show you meet at the theater at noon rehearse for four five six hours and then do the show at seven and that's it okay so it's not like something I've been rehearsing for for a long time you just gotta like do the work on yourself get your prep work done show up and do a good job and I did so that was fine but it was like three days straight of just craziness so it was nice. It was fun. Kind of glad the weekend's over, though. And now I can eat things again that I gave up for Lent. That's true. Wait, what'd you give up for Lent that you couldn't eat? Alcohol. Did you eat alcohol this weekend? I mean, I cheated a little bit and had a very strong drink right after the ceremony because you know I don't think anybody can blame it. you. And basically, Jesus had basically risen at that point. I mean, you were like hours away. It's true. So and Jerusalem, Jerusalem's that. like. Nine hours ahead, so really it had already happened at that point, because you use the time, you fly over the ocean, and there's the time yeah. difference, and so it would Sunday, yeah. and that's three. That's like three days. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, that's so, that's actually how it works. Yeah, yeah frankly, you were in the clear. Thank you. Stop calling me frankly. Frankly, <laughs> twenty-year-old jokes are funny, right? Yeah, you were in the clear, 30, though. You were in the clear. That's good. Forty. So, but I'll also now I have to bring up the other thing I gave up because you brought it up before the we started going live. I, I did the tandem bikes. Nope, that wasn't right. Tinder. Close that. Tinder. You gave up Tinder. Yeah, I was on Tinder, the dating app. Which, okay, so for those people that don't live in big cities, apparently this is like kind of a big city thing, but not a lot of other places is kind of what it feels like. No, our friends in, uh, our friends in, um, 
Uh, Minneapolis. You're in Minneapolis. I'm in Minneapolis. Madison. Our friends in Madison have used it. Really? I know. Yeah, people use it all over the place. It's just, yeah, it's it's, it's more effective in larger cities, but it's still effective in smaller places. People in Rockford are in it. Interesting. Okay, and so basically, yeah. it's a it's a hot or not app, right? Yeah. So, so I gave up Tinder for Lent because I was on it, and it was kind of a waste of time, and I. I looked at it and I was just like, "What can I give up for Lent that will like make my life better?" And Tinder was one of those things because it's kind of useless. So, listener, it's a dating app. It shows you people based on proximity to you, and this is relevant to gaming because it's kind of like a game, which I'll actually explain. So, this does tie into our podcast. So, it shows you people based on how close they are to you. Shows you one to five pictures, and you can write a profile, but most people just put a most girls write a Marilyn Monroe quote. Or something else really generic, or hashtag YOLO, or hashtag KCCI. Do you know that one? Have you heard that one? Bayside? Like KCCI? Yeah. No, I have no idea what that is. KCCI is, uh, I'm going to Google it so that I don't have to see your face. It's uh, keep calm and, uh, what is it? Chive on. I'm going to Google it. Keep calm and chive on? Keep calm, it's, it's keep it's something stupid. It's some stupid new YOLO-like buzz thing. Oh, man. Anyway. I don't like it. I already don't like it at all. So the app is based on your location. You're supposed to swipe left if they're ugly, swipe right if they're hot. And then do they there's say an swipe profile. left if they're ugly, or do they say swipe left if you're not attracted? Like, if you're not interested. Yeah, that's not ugly. Those are two different... Yeah, they're being politically correct. Okay, got it. I don't care. Got it, okay. So I'm not a spokesperson for Tinder. Although, if Tinder, if you'd like me to correct myself in our next episode, we will gladly do so if you'd like to sponsor sure, us. Sure, absolutely. I'm saying. So that's the app. and I'll it's Tinder based the hell out of this podcast. Did I use it right? Nope. It's based on Grindr, which is a similar app, but Grindr is a, is a gay dating app, specifically for the gays. I think gay men, actually. I think it's just for gay men. Okay. Maybe gay women too. I'm not sure, but the the idea of grinder is who doesn't enjoy grinding? Other, who doesn't enjoy grinding? We all do. That's the idea, right? But grinder is a hookup app for for homosexuals. Okay, and but not like a dating app. Like a hook. This one's a, that one's a hookup. This app. is a hookup app. It's a hookup app, but it operates the exact same way as Tinder. Okay, so they come up with Tinder, same exact premise, same exact interface. Only now, all of a sudden, people are using it for dating. Huh? Interesting. You're using an app. That's pretty much exclusively based on how you look and how close to me you are for dating. Let's think about that for a minute. Those are two very important things to, I think, like start an initial dialogue between two people. Our proximity and and like attractiveness to each other. Yeah, but you can get that out of other apps that also, out of other dating venues that will give you more information, such as OkCupid. You put in your zip code and you can narrow your search sure. to three or five. Like, you can do that with other dating sites. Okay. Tinder just happens to make it mobile. And it's like, people are using Tinder for dating, but when you think about it, Tinder gives you the least information out of basically any dating site. If you want to go to Match or OkCupid or Plenty of Fish or any of these other ones, you can make your own profile. You can get all this information. You can answer quizzes that'll match you based on your personality and all these other things. Tinder, nope. Are you hot? Yes. Are you not hot? No. Okay, let's meet up. And supposedly, you can use it for dating. And I realized during my Lenten absence from the app that trying to use it for dating 
It's really dumb. And I know some people do it, mm-hmm. and I've actually met a couple cool people for it, but if you're if you're using an app that's designed for hooking up to date people, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't feel. You're right. saying you're probably not going to find the quality people that you're looking for to date. It's not the quality people. There are quality people on there. I met a really cool. I've met several really cool girls off of there. But my point is, I guess it's just much more of a crapshoot in terms of who you're meeting because all you're going off of is looks, and it'll also show you mutual Facebook friends or mutual uh, things you like on Facebook. So if I see a girl like Firefly and Serenity and Doctor Who and Star Trek and Star Wars, like, yeah, that's – I'm going to figure, oh, we have a bit in common. You're like, oh, she's then, trying too hard. <laughs> right. But that rarely happens. So it's like, why would you – I don't know. If I if I were like – if I were a single guy that really wanted to meet a girl that I had a lot in common with and I could get to know and blah, 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 do the whole dating thing, I would not use Tinder. But a lot of people are using it for it. So I have not re- – so you asked me after – Lent, now that it's over, did I go on a Tinder dating binge? I think I, I said a Tinder bender, which sounds much cuter. Tinder bender sounds way better. Yeah. Very good onomatopoeia there. I know. That's not the right word. Nope. Alliteration. No, it's not that either. Yeah. It's sure? Positive? Homonophony. Oh, and when you make a match, here's where it comes all the way back around. Okay. As you can see by me twirling my pen in the air. Yeah. That's how you know it's how you it bring it It just came around like 13 times because that's about how many. Thank you. Yeah. Final Fantasy 13? Right. Oh, is that where it comes back to? Times? Interesting. So I, I'm not going to Tinder bender because I'm not looking for hookups at the moment. I'm not above them. It's not my thing right now, um, and so I, I therefore see no reason to download it. But I, I did not go on a Tinder bender. But it, it goes, it comes back around because when you make a match, an overlay pops on your screen and it says "Congratulations, you're a match." And then it, it you can there are two buttons that appear. One is "Message now," and the other one is "Keep playing." Interesting. Because it's like a game. Okay. Did you say interesting or Pinteresting? Interesting. So you did. So okay. basically, they're saying. All right, you can stop now or just keep working through this sea of members of the opposite or same sex that you can look through. Yeah. Okay. And you can set it for searching for males or females on Tinder. Okay. So that's the, apparently you, that's the game yeah, part. That's where you, the, that's where you burn. It's kind of like there. a game. Okay. It's like it's like hot or not. You remember going to hot or not when you were a kid? I think that's sit around hot or I mean, not. I think that's what I said. I thought I think that's what I said. It's like a hot or not app. No, I said that. Okay, I'm on the record saying that. But that's okay. It doesn't matter. Um, it's weird. I don't remember you say like, I mean, it was an original thought slash idea that I had. Well, that's uh, that's sad that you haven't done your bender. I expect one soon, I guess. Maybe I'll Tinder bender when I visit you in a couple yeah, weeks. Yeah, see, see all those Minneapolis chicks. They may not be that close, though. Are there attractive chicks in Minneapolis? Dude, it's, uh, it's, what's the... it's a big city. Like... It's a big city. That's not an answer. There's always attractive people in a big city. Okay. Yeah. I I just figured it was too cold for girls to be attractive there. No, actually, we've got this weird... So, the the best effect ever happens up here, where in the winter... Is it lake effects? Because we have lake effect down in Chicago. Sure, absolutely. So, this happens, this happens to Minnesotans as a whole. This is not exclusive to women. But... Uh, you know, it gets so cold up here for so long. I mean, we get cold air 
through April. So the minute any warmth happens, everybody takes off all their clothes. I mean, it's a slight exaggeration, but you get the idea of what I'm saying. When they take off their clothes, do they say it because it's getting hot in her? No, because that's from Atlanta. That's the ATL. That's Nelly. Okay. Actually, he's from St. Louis. Or is he from? No, he's from St. Louis. He's from St. Louis. Either way, this is not St. Louis or Atlanta, so no. That well, perhaps we should turn out the lights. That's Nelly Furtado. Then maybe Nelly will. It's Nelly Furtado. That's really... All right. It's literally what I just so said. So we didn't play a lot of games. Uh, God, you are the worst. Seriously. We didn't. So podcast over. Thanks for joining you us. The, I'm going to go eat dinner. You are the worst. Um, I am really hungry. So uh, we didn't... Uh, we didn't play a lot of games, and that's okay. I tell you what, I played um, I played a lot more Diablo three. Well, not a lot. I've played more Diablo three. I played more Hearthstone. Here's a good here's a good little fact. I've talked about Hearthstone quite a bit, listener. Um, and if this is your first episode, welcome. If it's not, you've probably heard me talk about Hearthstone before. Hearthstone came out on iPad, and I'm I've also been a huge proponent for iPad gaming. I think there's a lot of great stuff on there. Hearthstone is like one of the the most perfect iPad games ever. So now it's become even easier for me to kind of get my Hearthstone fix in. And it still has that like 5 to 15 minute per game session length. Only now it's like as on the go as it gets by having it be on the iPad. Um, the only complaint I have is that I have a an iPad 3 and I want to say they're on the 4th or 5th generation at this point. It doesn't even work on the iPad 2 or or earlier in terms of generation. And on the iPad 3, which is the one that I have, it is quite slow in some parts. Which you think I think is kind of weird because it's just a, a CCG. I mean, there's not like basically any graphical anything. But it still is not optimized for that machine at all. So there, that's just kind of a bummer that it just doesn't operate quite as as smoothly as it does both on the PC and as it would on a nicer iPad, but it is still like the perfect iPad gaming experience. So if you have an iPad and, and still have yet to jump into Hearthstone, it is totally free to download on the iPad as well. Jump in. It is super good. So I did a lot of that. Um, but one of the things that I want to talk about is last week we had a discussion about Final Fantasy thirteen three. It's Lightning Returns Final Fantasy XIII. I don't, the title is dumb. It doesn't matter what it's called. Um, it's the third of the Final Fantasy XIII games. And we had a talk about story. And I was very glib for a lot of the time that you were talking about the game. And uh, that's just kind of me. And I understand that. But when you started to talk about kind of the moments of the game that had a little more impact for you and you started to expand on them a little bit, I, I kind of got it a little bit more, okay? Like, I understood what it was about that game when you started talking about those things that, that resonated with you, right? Um, for instance, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to try to paraphrase the way the game works, but um, Lightning as a prostitute, I think I got out of when you were talking. Um, right. The goal was to have sex with this, to attract as many members of the dying race of humanity or was it have sex? not necessarily multiple partners but yeah you would have to fulfill their specific sexual fantasies so sometimes it wasn't regular sex okay and a lot of times it was different forms of sodomy and that's where the costume changes came in because many people right. would need would they'd want it is a role-playing game 
Right. Yeah, okay. So I've got all that right. Like, there, there are some things you can only accomplish in public when a girl is wearing a skirt, for example. Right. Okay. So I definitely listened to you last week, then, for the first time ever. Yeah, you definitely have a very firm grasp of what this game is about. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the... The the thing you're supposed to do is you're supposed to fulfill these people's, uh, not necessarily. I guess everybody's dying, kinda, but they're not dying because you can't die in this weird, strange world. But they're like final. They know the world is ending, and you you're fulfilling their like world world endings wish, right? Yeah, kind of, sort of. Um, and I was thinking about this, and I was like, and, and I was legitimately like thinking about this at various just various times, um when I was lost in thought and the the examples you used was like there was one whose whose dog like dog ran away or something and you go find the dog right that was one and then there's another there was a guy who wanted to be like a world class chef or something and that was one um and I was thinking about it and I think that it's it was this is kind of a missed opportunity but it Here's the th- okay. So this game, if this game had been scaled way down to be like an indie studio style game, okay, but had this same idea, the same story. Hell, it wouldn't have to be like this weird end of the world Buna Velza thing. It could be, it could be just a game where like the world is ending and you do need to go out and and like the world's ending for some other reason, um, and you need to go out and. Uh, Say it's Darren Aronofsky's Melancholia, right? That movie. You never saw that yeah, movie. Yeah, I've definitely heard of that. Okay, but say it, the world is ending in that movie, and uh, it's all about people's reaction to the world ending. So let's say we've made a video game out of that, and let's divorce it from Lightning Returns. That's what you did in Lightning Returns. The point that I'm trying to make is I that game could be so emotionally resonant to so many people um, if they had changed the kind of things you were doing. And I'll give you an example of what I mean. So, let's say that you are this person that has to fix people at the end of the world, and I am one of those people that needs fixed. Okay? This is hypothetical me with lots of problems. Um, I, as a human, when I think about like the world ending, I think, okay, the the only important things to me in that moment would be like my my family specifically my wife and my child and then like the rest of my family and then my closest friends those are the only people those are honestly if the world if like the shit hit the fan and the world was legitimately ending those would be my only like priorities of things that I would want to focus on right right so um I if if I've got to roll across the grandma across the street with my car to get in to feed my family, I would probably do that because the world was ending and those were the people that I would be trying to protect. Um, that is just to demonstrate where I would place my importance. So um, let's say there is a family whose, whose child, let's say there was a mom and a dad, whose child came out of the closet when they were, I don't know, 18, when they went to college or something, and their parents, like, disowned them. And 
that child moved away for 10 years. And now it's your responsibility as the player to find a way to reconnect that family before the world ends. That, to me, is a much more interesting story. And remember, like I just said, Lightning Returns and and fantastical role-playing worlds in general, probably not the venue for that kind of story. I mean, I, under, I understand that. But... My point is, is that is that to me is an incredibly emotionally resonant story, like that that speaks to our our current social structure. It could be very poignant. It would be something you'd see in an emotionally stirring movie, right? But let's say that's one of the situations. Uh, let's say another situation is um, a like a a child married a partner that the the parents weren't comfortable with or like it it separated their families somehow that way and it was your job to then bring their families back together those kind of stories i think like if you had to do multiple tasks that dealt with if say so you had good writers there that kind of thing my my big problem is that you're talking about the end of the universe in Lightning Returns. You're talking about like world because a new world's going to be created. Okay, you're talking, but for for if I was on that world, it'd be the end of my universe. Right. Like okay, from the perspective of the people living on that world, you're talking about like the end of all things, and the promise of something new, the promise of there being something on the other side of whatever happens here. But for all intents and purposes, the only fact we know is that, like, life as we know it is ending, right? That is the most grave of situations I can possibly think of. Like, at having that, like, knowledge that that, is, that that is what is happening, and it is the inevitability of that, and that, that the world just will not go on. Like, your family lines will not be passed down, nothing. Like, it is just blinked out of existence. That is a very grave situation. And I think it is just, ch- it's cheap to take the approach of somebody wanted to be a chef, so you have to go, and I don't know exactly the way the side quest works, but I'm assuming you have to go find ingredients for their special dish that they wanted to make. Or you needed to find their knives or something to cut with. Am I close? No, you had to go talk to other shop people. That quest actually ends up panning out into uh, one about the chef's family. Okay. Do you get the point I'm trying to make, though, more than anything? And I mentioned to you, I mentioned to you, before you even answer that, I mentioned to you in a text uh, earlier that it made me, it made me go back and think about Gone Home. And listener, if you listen to our Gone Home episode, I really think it was a great episode. I really think it was a good episode. It was two hours of us talking about Gone Home. That, it's like episode forty. I think it was something. good though. I think it was a very. I think we had a lot of really great discussion. But do you remember what I said was like the most profound moment in that game for me? Yes, it was the one near the end where you find a note on the fridge, right? Yeah. So early in the game, Gone Home is a game where you're you come home, uh, you come home, you live, you live in like Portland in the 1990s and you are a 22 year old female who comes home from studying abroad and nobody's home when you come home and it's your job throughout the course of you playing the game to figure out where everybody is and the main story is about your younger sister who has 
a love who has a a relate who develops a romantic relationship with another female in her grade in like eleventh grade or tenth grade. Uh, but the, you also have parents too, and and they're dealing with their own things. And the main story is about your is about your younger sister. But there's also this side story with your parents, and there's this note that that you get at the very beginning where the the parents are like, "Hey, we're we're going out of town. Um, we're going to be out of town at this like camp thing." Um, and later on, when you're walking through the house, there's this easily missable flyer for a couple's marriage retreat to help save failing marriages. And that was the only indication in the entire game as to where exactly your parents actually went. But that resonated so strongly with me. It just it and it was such a it was such a understated moment that I thought was just beautiful in the game. But it was so real. It was such like a real situation. And it reminded me of like what what this game that is dealing with the end of all things could do if they were brave enough to, if they were brave enough to take it on and the big studios probably aren't because i think you'd have a lot of controversial stuff if you tried to take on some of these i mean gone home was a very controversial game and it was super small but it was incredibly controversial the story wasn't controversial there was a lot about the game that was controversial. It's present Was it, there? Yeah, its presentation was incredibly controversial. Its presentation was controversial, but the story wasn't controversial. Yeah, okay. I guess that's true. Um but I think there would be some controversial material in what like what I would like to see out of an end of a literal end of the world game. Um I would like to see maybe some more controversial topics. So, I don't think that like Square Enix would have the balls to do that. I don't know of a big studio that would have the balls to do it. I can't think of one off the top of my head. But I hope you understand what I'm trying to say in what would be incredibly interesting and could make for a an incredibly emotional experience if it was there. So that's kind of like what I vaguely wanted to talk about because I just think it could make for just a a very... Like groundbreaking game, maybe not even necessarily good. I don't know, because I don't know like what the gameplay would be in a game like that. I guess it's just the the topics of somebody, the topics of somebody wanting to be a chef, and I I guess I can see somebody wanting to find their dog, especially if they don't have like other family that's there. Like people put a lot of emphasis on their animals, so I can understand that being one of the most important things to you if the world is ending. But it sounds like there's a lot of other things that I would not think were the most important things, like a little girl's doll. So, which I think is another side quest that you have Mm -hmm. to do. Um, So, I just think it would be interesting to have maybe some of these other stories that would... It just doesn't seem like the content matches the setting of the game in Lightning Returns. And I've I've honestly been thinking a lot about that because that one moment in Gone Home, I I return to that a lot when I like think about emotional emotionality and emotionally resonant games. Is that one moment well, in Gone Home? Well, so there are other things like I mentioned in our last episode, there are some stories they're able to tell because everyone's been immortal for five hundred years sure. essentially that they wouldn't otherwise be able to tell. And there are some more still a bit 
less easy to connect with, but some more personal stories. Like a guy had been keeping journals his entire life. And he has all his journals, but he, he lost one. He gave it away like hundreds of years ago, and he couldn't remember what's in it. So he, he, tasks, you to find, he tasks you with finding it. And at first you're like, okay, i got to find this journal, fetch quest. You get it, and then you have the choice to either open it or not open it. If you don't open it, you give it back to him. You get a minor reward, quest is done, move along. If you do open it, you learn that he writes about his entire family being killed. His wife and his daughter were killed. And uh, he forgot about it. Like, he forgot about his family because he, like, put their his memories of them out of his head to move on. Because after hundreds of years of, like, literally hundreds of years of mourning and trying to find the killer and trying to solve it and not knowing what to do with his life, he finally just, like, he just kind of blocked out of his mind. So then you have to make the decision to go to him and give him this journal and be like, hey, buddy, uh, listen, you had an entire family that was killed. And he lets it back in and he's just like, oh, the case never rested. Then there's another side quest that ties in and you start to get some clues from a couple other ones where you're like, hey, wait a second, this guy's story doesn't really match who he says he is. And it turns out that the killer's still alive, he's living under a certain way, and then when you go to this original journal writing guy and you say, like, hey, look, this guy's still around, like, what do you want us to do with him? He's basically just like, I can't, we can't really do anything about it um, because the killer's son is now really good friends with the journal writer and the journal writer doesn't want to make that son suffer for the remainder of existence, which is only a few days. And he's like, well, I mean, what's that going to accomplish? Like he's only going to be in jail for two or three days. Anyway, his son will be upset. I'm friends with him. It's all messed up. So like he ends up finding kind of like a, um, some closure in it. And then the killer admits guilt and he's just like, Oh my God, I've been feeling horrible about it for hundreds of years. So that's kind of his like torture kind of thing like that. So elaborate little stories like that. There are a couple other ones, like the chef one was actually tied into another story where a man and his daughter were Chocobo Geishal Greens farmers. They're farmers on a Chocobo farm. And the father ends up basically running away and having people tell the daughter that he died, but you don't know that. Then you find him and he's like, well, yeah, she'll never move on and she'll never become independent unless she thinks I'm not around anymore because she relies on me too much. And then it turns out you find out his father did the same thing to him. So you find his dad and you're like, and then the de- the grandfather is like, what the hell? My son's going to do that to his daughter. He can't do that. And Lightning is just like, you did that to your son. What's your deal? So then it becomes this, you know, the whole family comes back together kind of thing. So the stories are still pretty outlandish, but there's there's some more personal, more elaborate stuff in there. There's some stuff about you know, like forgiveness and holding grudges and how people move on and relationships. There's some on, you know, like my lost love from forever ago. And there's one person that finds out that the woman that he had been in love with and lost touch with and couldn't find for hundreds of years, for some reason was the one exception in the 500 year immortality rule. And she continued to age and she avoided him because she knew that he still looked young and she looked older and then she died. And then he has to cope with that. So there's some stuff, I mean, certainly nothing controversial, but at the same time, it's a Japanese game. Like the Japanese presumably have a a much different view on, or at least their culture is a much different place when it comes to addressing homosexuality than America. I don't, I don't have any idea where they're at, but yeah, I don't either. I, perhaps, I can't really speak to that. Yeah, and perhaps some of those narratives that I mentioned are more culturally relevant to the Japanese. Like I know that the the Japanese culture right now, there's a lot 
of from what I consume of overseas reports, I don't know how true this is, but we're unqualified, so it's okay for me to say anyway. Absolutely. Um, from what I've been, you know, from from what I understand, there's a lot of dialogue over there about overworking and how there's little time for relationships at all in Japan. And a lot of guys are just turning to like dating Sims seem silly to Americans, but dating Sims are huge in Japan because a lot of men and women are now deciding like relationships aren't worth it. The guy is going to go work 80 hours a week while a girl raises a family and that's life. And then it's over. Like it's, it's just not worth it to even have a family. So things like that could be addressed that we're not aware of. I, I will agree that, Overall, the gravity of a lot of the sub-stories isn't particularly substantial, but I I, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, they could have addressed something more, more substantial or controversial with the storytelling, but... It doesn't – the thing is, is it doesn't even need to be controversial. I mean there's nothing controversial about trying to reconcile a broken family. It's just – it's just the things – and maybe this is me being a uh, an insensitive Western culture person that doesn't like understand that actually there were a lot of these themes coming from Japanese culture that I just don't know about because I'm not immersed in Japanese culture. But right, me neither. But I just know what would be the most important thing to me if because I like when I when I think about it, if I think about. The, me knowing the world is ending in eight days, 13 days, 12 days, whatever. I just know where my importance would be. And the, like the only thing I would want to make sure was that I was with my family in those last days. And that would be it. And, and it's, I mean, there are, it sounds like there are some stories like that, but I can't be alone. Like I, that's I feel like I would be th- I'm the rule in this particular situation. Well, and to be fair, there's there's a very heavy emphasis on religion. There are those who worship Bunavelza and are pretty much aware of the fact that they're going to be moved into the new world. And then there are the followers of Etro, the goddess of death, who believe that everyone needs to be killed and returned to the void or the chaos that is consuming the world. So there's a strong religious element in that as well. Which, as we mentioned on our last episode, kind of also supports the Japanese, well, not the Japanese uh, um, message, but the message that you see recur a lot in the Final Fantasy series that's kind of anti-religion a little bit. And uh, there's that butting of heads, but a lot of the people are very focused on spending time with what they already have because they, they know they're going to move on. So there's a lot of faith kind of tackled in that as well. Um. It's kind of interesting. I, yeah. I, I see your perspective, but I still thought it was a good game. I still think it, you, you can enjoy it, and you know, some of them are really silly. One of them is a guy has a crush on a girl, and you have to buy her accessories, you know, and bring him the accessories so he can try and impress her. You and know? that's the kind some of thing is... that I—that's the kind of thing that I hear, and like, I want to kick a wall because that's that to me is the missed opportunity. I think there there would be room for for lighter stories in this imaginary game that I'm making up in my head that is a lot like Lightning Returns, but is better in my head. So there would be room for lighter stories, but it wouldn't be as dumb as dressing up a girl, right? I mean, that's just not... That, to me, is not 
good storytelling. No, that's really good storytelling. Have you ever dressed up a girl? You know, now that you mention it, I can't say that I have. Right. So maybe you should uh, tits or GTFO. Yeah, that's a good point. I think I speak for all of us. When you say tits or GTFO. When I say that. Yeah, right on. You're welcome. So that's what I. that was the thing that I've legitimately been thinking about uh, this week. I really have. Well, maybe you should legitimately try to have a better brain that will make you legitimately think about more You know what you need things, to try, especially if, this, you, this, especially if this game resonated with you, which it sounds like it did. It sounds like you liked the themes that Lightning, Th- Lightning Returns explored. Have you ever heard of the game Lost Odyssey? Yes, I've heard of it. Xbox 360 exclusive, made by the same guy that did Chrono Trigger and all the other games that the guy that made Chrono Trigger did. Blue Dragon, he did for Xbox 360. Um, but it it is a game where you play a race of immortals. Um, they're not the only people you play as, but they're the main characters, and they're like legitimately immortal. And the game deals with the... It, de- it deals with all of the hurdles and burdens that come with being a legitimate immortal being. And, like, the people that you fall in love with that eventually you watch die because they're not immortal. I mean, it is it's it is a heavy game. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful game. But it's punctuated over the course of the game with these... They did this really cool thing where they hired short story writers to write these beautiful honestly they are beautiful short stories they're presented in the game just as text that you that you read but it's um affected text so like they'll they'll say something like you know say say somebody dropped the ball well there'll be a sentence that says you know sally dropped the ball and then as the sentence gets scrolls across the screen and you get to the word ball ball will fall off of the end of the sentence and drop down on the screen right so it I don't know. It's done it's done incredibly well. If anything, watch a video of one of the short stories. But the short stories are all about these immortals and like different events that have happened in their lives. They are written by professionals, so they're they're just beautifully written. There are a couple of them that like brought tears to my eyes. And I honestly think that especially hearing hearing and now talking to you even more about Lightning Returns. I think you should play this game. It's called Lost Odyssey. You can pick it up for for cheap, and it's a Japanese role playing game. It's got it's it's got some flaws, um, as you know most games do, but I I legitimately think that you would, I think it would way speak to you and anybody else that's looking for a game that explores religious themes, themes themes revolving death and life and love. Check out Lost Odyssey. Especially if you like Japanese role-playing games, because it's really good. Is it on Steam? No, it is Xbox 360 exclusive. That is the only platform it's on. I know, Ugh. and I know, considering our current gaming situation, I know it's kind of a hassle. But I legit for you, I legitimately think it'd be worth it. And if anything, you can borrow it from me when you come up. That I like that idea yeah. a lot. Yeah. The thing is, I think there's a difference between setting and story, certainly, and. I think I really like the setting of this game and the overall ideas that are explored further through the story and are kind of reinforced through the story. 
but I don't necessarily love the stories themselves. Like, yeah, when I grab a carbuckle doll and she's like, oh, it means a lot to me because my mommy gave it to me. It's not like, oh, yeah, that's going to change my life. But I like the I like the whole theology, the philosophy, the the way life is presented in the game. Sure. I like, you know. Yeah. And I, the, there's a big difference, you know. It's like Star Wars. Like, Star Wars is so popular because the setting is amazing. Because lightsabers and the force and planets and starships and all that stuff. Like, it's got everything you'd want in science fiction. But the stories within it aren't necessarily good. Like, the Star Wars holiday special. My god. <laughs> I... Sure. Yeah, all right. I see where you're going. Have you at. ever watched any of the holiday so specials? So you're saying that Lightning Returns is the Star Wars holiday special of the Final Fantasy 13 Fabula Nova Crystallis Saga, the third, Lightning Returns the third. No, that is the right name of the game, but there is nothing that parallels the holiday special in any media I, um, ever created. I legitimately thought you were going to say the Holocaust that was the holiday special, which uh, probably would have been inappropriate. It would have been a very appropriate. Have you seen any of the holiday special? No, and I probably won't. It is so beyond unwatchable, it is offensive. It offended me to watch it. You look, I offended myself you, by watching. You look offended. I only watched maybe 20 minutes of it, and I I wanted to die. That's how bad it is. That's That's a severe reaction. The Star Wars holiday special is possibly the worst thing ever made. You should get that looked at. That rash. Should I? The rash on your, yeah. Okay. Just we're on the same page about this. We are. I think we are. So I wanted to also talk about Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy XIII and Three, Fabula Nova Chrysalis, the sequel, the trilogy, the prequel, in the dequel. She likes the D. His sequel. But I don't remember what I wanted to say about it, so you're in luck. We don't have to keep talking anymore. Fantastic. That actually worked out Actually, well. you know what I did want to talk about? Yeah, you you had mentioned something about difficulty or something. I don't know. Difficulty I, I, in Typically, games. I don't pay attention to you, so I don't actually know what you were talking about. So all those side quests. I, I told you there's a lot of side quests in Landing Returns. Sure. And a lot, a lot, sometimes it's, uh, hey, talk to... Go find my lost lover in the Augur's Quarter in Yusnan and get something from him. Great. So I have to go find this guy in the Augur's Quarter in Yusnan, which is not hard. I know where the Augur's Quarter is. Yeah, I know everybody where know, and everybody is. knows where Yusnan is. Clearly. So one would think, go there, get it. Sure. Okay, cool. Come to find out, he's only there between, let's say, 1,300 hours and... 2,300 hours. Well, when the hell else would he be there? He's working in the Augur's Quarter in Yusnan. And and that makes sense. But how do I know that those are the 10 hours he's going to be there? Well, somebody should have probably told you. Yeah, well, no one did. Oh. And no one hinted at it. Hmm. And hey, there's most a lot of the quests in the game. Lots of times it's like, oh, go kill some monsters. Well, you can kill monsters anytime. They're always there. But a lot of other times it's go find this specific person. Or, hey, there's a shop you need to get to as soon as it opens. It opens at 1,300 hours. Well, I know that, but then where's my window? So there's a lot of stuff you can't figure out on your own intuitively. There's no, there's no clues in the game. You have an idea, but I don't know the exact time constraints for these quests. Yeah, and when you're talking about a game where the entire premise of the game is that there's this giant time constraint that is driving you forward, that's probably a problem. Well, it's a bit of a problem. I, you know, I I did 
70 to 80% of the side quests with no problem. And only when it got near the end when I could no longer beat any of the bosses in the main quest did I start to look online for help. So I could have probably done more side quests. I just didn't put that much time and effort into it because I was getting a little tired of running around and not knowing where to go. Sure. So... Not necessarily a problem. I'm not bringing this up as a complaint about Lightning Returns, but it got me thinking about difficulty in gaming. And especially because I've been playing Pokemon Y, there are a million things in Pokemon that you cannot know unless you look outside. No. Like, look at outside information. But these are very different games, and I'll explain to you why. Pokemon is supposed to be a social game. Pokemon is supposed to be the type of game, and remember, Pokemon, as much as you and I play it, as much as people in our age demographic play it, it is marketed at kids. It is marketed at kids still in school. Pokemon is the game that you go to school, and you hit the lunchroom, and you talk for 30 minutes with your friends about Bill's secret garden, about Andre's secret garden. You talk about the secret garden that is a secret and missing number and various cat obviously I Peekaboo and Peekaboo that's what you talk about that's what Pokemon is Lightning Returns is not that in fact 99% of video games that are released are not that Pokemon is meant to be consumed like that Dark Souls is meant to be consumed like that Point of Order it is meant to be consumed like that because Gavel. Lightning Re- be- because Lightning Returns has an in-game social component. I hate you so much. I saw you tweeting pictures of your Lightning Returns playthrough. Yeah, because you tweet from in the game. It's so bad. It's They're so... also on Facebook. I have a Facebook album of pictures from Lightning Returns that I submitted to the Final Fantasy Thirteen cloud or whatever it's it is. so bad. That's such a... But- Dumb. You encounter when you're in a town or you're in a field and there are any people around, any NPCs just walking around, you can walk up to one that has a blue icon over it and go and talk to them and it downloads a message from them, what their build is, like what schemata they're wearing and what their equipment build is and attack build is, and buy an item from them if you decide to send an item along with your message with a screenshot. That's but that's not the same type of social component. It's you're not, talking but, about, is, you're, but that's what Dark Souls does, doesn't it? No, you are no. Dark Souls is the type of game where you. It is the type of game, and it's not. It's not. It wasn't originally. I don't think meant meant to be this way, but it it evolved this way in that the game is so obtuse that you can't help but talk about it to get through it with other people. That's just the only way to do it. So. It wasn't like that by design. I'm just trying to say that Pokemon is like that by design. There's a reason why it is so obtuse. There's a reason why they don't tell you about, like, EV and IV values in the game. It's because they want people to talk about that particular game outside of the game. It is meant to be a social experience. Okay, so Pokemon is a bad example, but let's look at some other things. The original Legend of Zelda and Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest. Okay, but now you've gone back 25, 25 years. You've gone back to a time where that, the point of all Nintendo games was to talk about them outside of playing them. There was no internet. 
The only way to get information was to talk to each other about them on the playground. That was the only way we were ever going to find out how to do things. Because that one kid whose parents were awesome and gave them a prescription Nintendo po- a subscription to Nintendo Power could tell you that you had to duck down for 10 seconds in the graveyard to get the tornado to come pick you up. Because they had the subscription to Nintendo Power. Because I didn't. Because my parents were too damn cheap. You didn't have a subscription to Nintendo Power? No, I didn't. But but that was that was the... That was the culture of video games, just period, at that time. That wasn't just particular games. I mean, you can't compare the two. It's like comparing apples to oranges, because there was no internet. There was no giant database of information that we could query if we were stuck on something. Now, you you have games that are obtuse like that, and they're not done intentionally. Or I should say, they're done intentionally, but not in a good way. And it unfortunately just turns into... It, it ends up being just bad game design rather than being something cool. Dark Souls found a way to do it well because the game feels fair when you play it. A game where they don't tell you where there's an NPC that you have to go talk to at, at certain times, they don't tell you the times they're going to be there and they just leave it up to you to guess, is not good game design, right? So, especially when there's a clock that's ticking down that is signaling the end of the world. I'm not saying the entire game is bad game design. I'm saying that particular portion is bad game design. Sure. Um, just to rebuttal whatever it is you were going to say. Because frankly, I don't know what you were going to say. Because I just went off on a... It wasn't a tangent. I just kind of went off there. I mean, I get what you're saying. I just... I feel like I see it more often than just in games like these. Like... It's, so... This, these side quests are part of the game, but they're not essential to beating the game. And I would argue that a lot of ultimate weapons and other similar items are also very, very specifically hidden within a game. Like the ultimate weapon for one of the characters in Final Fantasy X, when you have to run and stop in the rainstorm or whatever. Like there's, there's just certain things where you don't know what you're supposed to do. But they let you know... They let you know that that is something you have to do because there's there's the chest that unlocks after you dodge that lightning bolt 200 times. And I can't remember if somebody tells you that or if when you examine the chest it tells you that. But there's a way that in-game you are given the, that information. Oh, there right? is, okay. There is. And like, in in Final Fantasy X, in order to get uh, Tidus's ultimate weapon, you have to go do that stupid Chocobo minigame and get down to zero seconds as a as a victory condition, right? Because every balloon that you... You probably don't remember this. Every balloon that you like run over in the Chocobo minigame over that long plains area lowers the time of that minigame. And you have to go and get enough balloons so that your time at the end is zero seconds. Well, by the vocabulary of video games they give you rewards based on your time that you have at the end and there's a it might be like question marks that it shows you for rewards at zero seconds but it there's you know as a video game player that you will get something good if you can get that time down to zero seconds just by the way that video games work by the way that rewards are doled out they don't even need to explain that to you but that's what you have to do to get it and so the the Joe video game player will understand that they will get something great for doing that in that game. So I don't I think that that's fine too. 
All right, I can't think of any other examples to prove you wrong, even though I'm sure there are several, so I'm just not going to. No, the the big problem is that this is all really cool, though. This is a cool discussion because I, I love the Pokemon discussion. I love that there are people out there that, f- for whatever reason, unfortunately, feel a little like, you know, people our age would feel ashamed that they play Pokemon. They shouldn't. It's incredibly complicated. It's incredibly deep in terms of, like, a, a fighting system. I think it's something that, if you like video games and like team-building stuff and like role-playing games, you should love to talk about it. But the point is, is I love that there are games out there that are meant to be talked about outside of the game to explore those those av- those aspects of the game that's something you didn't know and to be able to share information. Because m- there is so much that is not spelled out in Pokemon. Like, so much. Like, a ridiculous amount. Yeah, it's ludicrous. Yeah. And... I love that Dark Souls there is no like fact for Dark Souls. I love I love that like you have to go on to message boards and there's a di- there's dialogues that are happening between people about it where neither of them actually know what the goal of like this particular thing is or you know like the sto- like the story of the game nobody tells you the story of the game. The story is told in the Get this, this, if you want to put together the story of Dark Souls, it is told in the item descriptions of objects that you examine. In the, what? Yeah, in the item descriptions. So, like, it's something you could totally not even know was there, and, like, that was where you could find the story, but that would also be something that is shareable with other people. I mean, that's that is how that game is meant to be consumed now. So, I love that, because it gets people talking about the games outside of the games. The problem is, is that then there's games like Lightning Returns that do does something like like what you just said, and rather than being interestingly done, it just ends up being it's bad it's bad design, is what it is. So you think that's bad design? I do, I do because if you're going to put an arbitrary and it's not ar- I'm sorry, arbitrary is the wrong word. If you're going to put a time limit on the duration of your entire sixty plus hour gameplay experience. If you're going to put a a time limit on that, one, I think you need to fu- you need to have a way to go back in time, which I'm sure this game does somehow or stop time or whatever. You can stop both chronostasis. But two, you can't have large swatches of time that become useless to the player. And if you don't know when dude is going to be there, you could stay, let's divide the day into 24 hours, and he doesn't get there until 13 o'clock. If you have no idea, and you don't have, you're not looking it up on a fact or whatever, you could get there at 1 and blow 12 hours of your limited amount of time waiting for Guy to show up before he shows up at 1300. That's true. The game, there are a lot where that doesn't happen, but the game did get more fun when I started using an FAQ because then I knew exactly where everything was and when... Exactly. So exactly, and if that—I mean, if that's how that was, I guess, meant to be played, then they should have said, "Hey, make sure to check out our strategy guide so you know when people are going to be the places that you want them to be." They would never say that because that would be dumb. But that, to me, is bad—is bad design. There needed to be a. There needs to be another way around that. Interesting. I'm here to to give you deep thoughts. I'm here to put them in your body. I'm going to put my deep thoughts in your body. I call my d- deep thoughts. 
There's a stopping point there, I think. Stop, stopping what? Oh, were we not recording? I wasn't recording. Oh. We should go back and do that whole thing again and record it next time.